Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our theme for today is Choose Church. We're talking about Christian worship here. And if you read our, old, our, our, our epistle lesson today, it is full of images of worship. Priests, temples, sacrifices, curtains. But this isn't Christian worship, this is ancient Israelite worship. And so to talk about Christian worship, we need to actually go all the way back here. You see, I long had this misconception, maybe you've had it too, that when you went to the temple in ancient Israel, it was kind of like going to church today. You know, like maybe they didn't have pews, but you expect the things, you know, you get the sentences back and forth, you have the songs, the prayers, the sermon. But actually, it wouldn't look much like that at all. In fact, if you were to go to the ancient temple, it would look much more like a slaughterhouse than a church. This is a place where they're daily slaughtering animals by the hundreds that you bring your animal and lay your hands on it and confess why this animal must die, and then they kill it, uh, drain its blood, butcher it expertly, separate it out. Some portions go on the altar to be burned. Other portions go to the uh, garbage heap. Other portions go to the priests. Others go to the worshipers. They divvy out the animal. They cook it. And that's worship. This would be very, very strange for us to experience. Imagine just the smells of the smoke and the blood and the livestock. This is church for them. This is their temple. But to understand temple worship, we have to get to understand holiness. God is holy, which does, does not mean God's just like a goody two-shoes or something. He's holy. He is perfect. That he is this being that is so much different than anything else we've experienced. Absolute, utter perfection. And the The thing about holiness is you cannot mix holiness and unholiness. Because if you mix them, you just end up with unholiness, right? And so if you mix any unholiness in, that's a problem. But God is so holy that he does not allow unholiness to mix into him. In fact, if you mix God with unholiness, the unholiness is obliterated, destroyed. Which is great unless you're an unholy person. Because you're an unholy person, now you cannot approach your God in safety because his holiness would burn your face off. And so you cannot see God and live, you cannot touch God and live, so how then can you be close to your God? So isn't that the point of worship, to be close to your God? Well, God made a way. He made a way that the people could approach him in safety. And so to understand this way, think about God's holiness as something that's very powerful and very dangerous. Picture a nuclear reactor. So how close do you want to be to a nuclear reactor on a daily basis? Not super close. And if you have to be close to it, then you want to have certain things in place. First and foremost, you want permission. Right? Because if you break into a nuclear reactor without permission, they will shoot you. (laughs) So you need permission, first of all. And the second thing you need is protection. Right? You want to have things to shield you from the radiation. You want to make sure you're in a room that's safe, that you have uh, protective clothing, you have sensors to know how much radiation you're taking. This is just common sense, right? So if you're approaching the holiness of the holy God, you want to make sure you have protection and permission. So who has permission to come close to God? Well, only the priests have permission to actually go into the building, right? Unless you're of that family, you will never go inside that building. And even they can't just go willy-nilly. They have permission which days and what time they're allowed to enter. In fact, the innermost chamber, the most holy place, the 
epicenter of God's holiness, only the high priest can enter that room and only once a year. That's how serious this is. Well, you have permission, you also need protection. And you have protection from yourself, right? Because you carry uncleanness and sin on you. And so the priests go through rituals to remove this impurity. They wash themselves. They take special ritual baths to remove any outside contaminants. But even more importantly, they need to remove the internal contaminants, the sin that clings to them. And this is done with blood. Because blood removes sin. Because you see, sin is so serious that if you commit even a single sin, death is required. But God in his mercy made another way. In his mercy, he allowed a substitute. The death of an animal in place of the death of a worshiper. And so, by blood sacrifice, this sin could be removed from you, covered over, atoned. And so now, with no sin clinging to you, the priest could enter into the holy place. Or on the Day of Atonement, the high priest could enter the most holy place. This is a very strange worship to us because it is very restrictive. Very few people can get close to God. It is very dangerous. It is very scary. The priests enter with fear and trembling. In fact, in the Second Temple period, the priests would traditionally tie a rope around their ankle before they entered. You know why? Because if you did something wrong, you got yourself killed in there, they could pull your body out. That's how serious they took this. But here in our epistle lesson, it says something really amazing. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. He's encouraging people to enter into the holy presence of God. Isn't that going to kill them? No, because they have the permission, the protection to do so. See, here it addresses us as priests of God, which I don't know about you, but I am not from the line of Aaron. I'm not descended from the priests. I would not be eligible under Old Testament laws to enter the holy place. So how can we do that? How can we have permission to be priests of God? Well, because Jesus is the great high priest. He is the great high priest even higher than Aaron. He is the priest who is able to enter into God's holiness because he is the holy God and human all at once. So as the holy God, he can enter into the most holy place and there make sacrifice. And in his case, not sacrificing animals, but sacrificing himself. That his blood is the sacrifice. And imagine how much greater that is. The difference between the blood of goats and bulls versus the blood of God himself. And through this once-for-all sacrifice of his blood, he, as the high priest, has made our sins right with God. And also, he then makes us adopted by God as his sons and daughters. So if you are sons and daughters of God, and Jesus, the Son of God, is the great high priest, then you're in the priestly family. You are in the priestly family. That means you are high priests, because your brother, Jesus, is the great high priest. And your father, God, is the one to whom we come. And so we have access to God. 
as high priests, confident to enter into the holy place, knowing that we will live. And then he also brings up the protection, right? He talks about how you have been sprinkled with blood. You've been washed with pure water. When did this happen? Well, in your baptism, you were washed in that threefold washing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you were cleansed, not just the outward contaminants, but you were cleansed through and through to then have no sin that would prevent you from entering the holy place. And you've been sprinkled with blood. So the sprinkling of blood was used to remove sins, and also the sprinkling of blood was a sign of the covenant. When Moses made the covenant with the people, he took blood and threw it on the crowd. Isn't ancient worship weird? He threw the blood on the crowd saying, you're in the covenant, and you're in the covenant. Well, Jesus in the New Testament says, uh, take and drink. This uh, cup is uh, the blood of the new covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Then when Jesus gave his body and blood to his disciples, he was giving them access into the covenant. And for us also, when we regularly uh, consume Christ's body in the bread and Christ's blood in the wine, we are receiving that covenant, that we are members of the new covenant. And so as members of the new covenant, washed and made pure, there is nothing to fear anymore. And that is why our churches are so open. We, we, we let you in the building, first of all, and we let you all the way to see the holy place here. Because we now can be in the presence of God without fear. That's the rhythm of our worship, is we are having an intimate conversation with our God. That he speaks his word of promise to us, and we respond with our praises. We say our prayers to him, and he responds with his promises. This back and forth, back and forth of worship, this holy conversation we're having right now, where you speak and God hears, and your pastor, your worship leader speaks, and God is putting his word into your ears. That is what's happening right now, something that the Israelites could hardly even dream of to be able to have a close, intimate conversation with their God. And that is why the writer to the Hebrews says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. This is why we meet together. We meet together to be part of these holy things, to be in the very presence of our God, to hear his voice and to speak to him. This is amazing. Uh, why would you not want to be here as often as possible? Why would you not want to be part of these mysteries, this glorious mystery that we are the holy people of God and the holy things are ours? But the holy things don't just stay here because you now are temples. You are temples of the Holy Spirit, that God dwells in you. And so here you are in the presence of God, but everywhere you go, you are in the presence of God. You are the presence of God, that you carry Christ out of this place and bring him into a world that is dark and unclean. You carry Christ within you, and through the things you say and the things you do, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And so come here as often as you can to drink deeply of the things of God and to go out there to be that holy presence this world so desperately needs. In Jesus' name, amen.